0: Um, for those that are new today, it's your first time, or you're in and out, we've been going through Matthew, and so I've fallen with the task of the start of Matthew 7, which are some of probably the most popular verses in the Bible, but for the wrong reasons. Some of the most controversial verse, at least, the first one in the Bible, uh, and you may have heard this even said to you by some people. This is what it says, Matthew 7, 1-6, to Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged and with the measure that you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but you don't notice the log that is in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's. Do not give to dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Some joyful verses from Jesus this morning, but some critical verses from Jesus. Not ones that we can just sweep away because we don't like them, or they're a little bit hard and they're not fluffy around the edges. It's important we know what he's saying. And it's a message that I think in our culture, particularly today, is really important. In a, in a world where there's full of misunderstandings of who God is and who God's people are supposed to be, verses like this are critical that as a church we understand what God is saying, what Jesus really means, so that we get it right. And the serious misunderstanding or the one you might have heard quoted back to you, normally from some rebellious type, is you can't judge me. Even Jesus says you can't. Judge not. That you be not judged. Problem I've got with that kind of interpretation is you can't really take it at face value because you just read verse 6. Verse 6 says, Jesus calls people dogs and pigs in verse 6. Jesus makes a judgment about people just five verses later. And he doesn't mean friendly dogs like, you know, your little pet. We were going to get a Dalmatian at one time, it'd have been awesome. He was going to be called Dude. Good name for a dog, that dude, the Dalmatian. But we didn't, we had Evangeline instead, who isn't a dog, she's a person. Just to clarify. But this would be like a mangy dog. This would be a street dog. It would be horrible. And the pigs, well, pigs weren't exactly popular for the Jewish people, were they? They were unclean animals. And Jesus says, look, there's some dogs, there's some pigs. How are we supposed to make any judgment? How is Jesus supposed to make any judgment on that without any kind of critical faculty? Jesus here is not forbidding us from making judgment calls because we make them all the time. We have to. What's good? What's bad? What's right? What's wrong? How are we supposed to live? What's the moral way of doing it? But forbids the wrong type of judgment, which so often the church is associated with, isn't it? So often in the news, the church is standing in judgment. The church is doing this. The church is coming down hard on these people instead of just giving them Jesus. We spend so long judging from far off that we miss getting to Christ. And he gives the explanation of why and how we're supposed to judge in verses 2 to 5. If you've seen that, which is the stuff to do with, we'll come to it in a little bit, the stuff to do with the speck that's in your brother's eye and the log that's in your own. But before that, I've got a little example of the wrong type of judgment from my own life. And the first bit is, have any of you ever been to the city of Bath? Or for those that didn't understand what I meant, I mean Bath. It's lovely, isn't it? It's very nice. I think I'm right in saying that it is the lowest city in terms of crime in the UK. So it's a very nice place to live. And uh, we lived uh, for two years in a valley just outside Bath called Moncton Coombe. And I, when I first got there, called it Moncton Combe. Apparently, it's pronounced Coombe. Who knew? I soon found out. But it's, it's a lovely place to be. Lots of high-end shops and nice cathedral, Roman baths architecture everyone's very friendly and then there was me and there's this valley lovely pub you cycle everywhere uh, tennis courts 25 meters away picturesque lovely place to be and i was working in a public boarding school um i think i was probably one of two northerners in the whole school um so i was a real blessing to them i think uh, but it's a completely different world and I found it a completely different world. And I remember being pulled into the deputy head's office after about six to eight weeks of being there. And I thought, oh, well, what have I done here? And it was to discuss, actually, extending my contract. So I'd obviously been doing something right. And he went on to explain to me, said, oh, you know, Dan, we took a while deliberating. Some of you might have heard me say this. took a while deliberating over whether we should appoint you or not. I was like, oh, right, that's interesting, you know. Is it because of my CV? Something I said in the interview. He said, no, it's none of those things. It's we just didn't know how a lad who lived in Lancashire all his life will get on in Bath. That's Lancashireist. <laughs> Not good, is it? Not a good judgment to make based on where somebody is from determining what they can or can't do. Being stereotyped, being profiled. Whether you're from a certain place or uh, going forward, people label people, don't they? Based on their sexuality or whether they're male or they're female or they're black or they're white. These are wrong types of judgments basing on, oh, they can do this or they can't do that. Based on where they live or where they come from. That's a wrong type of judgment and not one that Jesus is permitting But we need to be able to recognize what the right kind of judgments are. So what does Jesus mean in verse 1? What does he mean in verse 5? It's all well and good me saying he doesn't mean you can't judge. But I kind of got to explain what that looks like. You've got to remember this is still the Sermon on the Mount. He hasn't gone down from the mountain. He's still there with the same people that he's been talking to for a little bit of time now. And he's not having a break. I know we get these nice little chapter breaks, but he doesn't say, right, we're just pausing now and I'll begin chapter eight very soon. It's a continuous thing where Jesus has just gone from the beatitude and talking about being full of peace and love and patience and kindness and how to live as a Christian, how to pray, how to fast, how to give. Lots of practical applications, lots of character stuff. That's what he spent all his time doing so far. You get to chapter 7 and all of a sudden it's about how do you take all you've learned, how do you take all your character and interact with the world? How does what you've done, who you are, affect your relationships? And here, it's how does being a Christian, how does following after Christ affect how you view people? That's where Jesus starts. How do you view people? What do you think of people? Does it come from your character and who you are? You've got to remember that he's talking to his followers here. So that's why I'm addressing this part here, particularly the bit about judgment, to the church. I'm not talking about some of the things that are going off in the world and whether Christians should be for or against them because that's not what Jesus is talking about in this piece. He's talking about how we relate to one another within a community of those that are following after him. How do we interact? How are we encouraging one another? How are we taking our character and the things that we have learned from Jesus and how is it shaping our view of people? And so I've just got four really quick, uh, I think they are quite quick, thoughts. The first one's quite long and the second one's quite long. But three and four are quite quick. Uh, of how, so actually it's probably medium length. But there are four thoughts on how these kind of five verses in particular, not particularly verse six, affect kind of our hearts and how we're to live as Christians today. So starting with verse one and two, judge not that you be not judged. You go, well, why? Jesus says straight away. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. The argument goes like this, doesn't it? Something like, if you stand in judgment of someone on something, prepare yourself for it to come back at you. Right? We've all heard it say, I got this a lot, a lot, a lot as a child. You know, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, because somebody else might not say something nice to you. My mum, who is sat over there, was nodding away. It's a bit like a boomerang. You throw some stuff out there, it's going to come back to you. You throw in criticism, you throw in hypercriticism of people. Don't be surprised when people are critical of you, right? Or the the train of thought, treat people how you want to be treated. And it comes back to you if we're gentle, if we're kind, if we're loving towards people, then don't be surprised when nice things come back. And I'm not saying it's, oh, I'll be good and good things will happen to me. That's not what I'm saying. But just as a general rule of thumb here, seems to be what's happening. And there's always those people that can take the banter or not, you know. They give it out all the time. They'll be having a laugh, having a joke. But as soon as you joke about them, oh, no. If you give it out, you've got to be able to take it. It comes back upon you. And often what happens is we, we, we say things, whether it's criticism of others or judgment of other people, and it's because we're insecure in our own hearts. Actually, we're projecting the things that we're worried about in here onto other people because we feel insufficient. But the world can't know that we are, right? We need to put up a mask and have it all together. So we take it out on other people. We go over the top on somebody else's conduct because actually we're hiding sinful behavior in our own hearts. We're trying to appear like we're right when actually we're wrong and the question is what's ruling our hearts and it's interesting the things that we've been talking about this morning getting ourselves right with God and walking right with God because that's what these verses are about. Walking right before the Lord. When Jesus says don't judge lest you be judged he's saying don't fault find in people. Don't be hypercritical of people. Don't be over the top negative about people. You know when people mess up, do you ever enjoy it? If so, Jesus would not be happy with that. And I mean in serious, uh, serious things. I don't mean when Cristiano Ronaldo hits the post and he should have scored from a penalty. I take great joy in that. But that's different. Because he's Cristiano Ronaldo and he's an next Man United player, so I think there's some grace for that. But in general conversation, in general, you know, if somebody who's hurt you falls on hard times, are you loving it? Because if you are, there's something that's gone amiss in our heart, there, isn't there? We're not to be overcritical. We're not to be hypercritical of people because you know what? It's going to come back upon us. But if we're gentle if we're kind, if we're generous with our words, then it stands to reason that perhaps fellow man will return the favour. But there's something else going on here that is deeper and more important than just what goes on between fellow man, and it's what goes on between us and God. If you read the verse, with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. We are not the ultimate authority in life, are we? I know that might surprise some of you. I know that you think you are. We're not. God is, and He's sovereign over everything, ruling, reigning, Lord of all, and He's the one who holds the final judgment. He's the one whose actually opinion fully counts, come that final day. And uh, you know the reason that the stuff boomerangs is because often we're holding people to our own moral standard, aren't we, of acceptability? I think this is acceptable, therefore I won't say anything, but. Oh boy, they've done something which I don't like. The problem is we're not the standard, are we? And it's, it's all relative. I watched Jurassic World last night and there was this little line in Jurassic World um, and they were talking about they'd made this dinosaur because obviously they're not real. Well, they were, but they're not anymore. Um, and, it, and it said, oh, you've created a monster. And then the guy said, well, it's all a bit relative really because to a bird, a cat is a monster and so on and so forth. And so is our standards. It's all relative. If you think about it, well, my standard might be different. I might think I'm awesome, but compared to somebody else, the problem is the standard is not you or I, but the standard is Jesus. And the standard of our moral living and how we're to to live is not us, but is Christ, which is why we have verse three and four. The standard is higher. Let me read it to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye? Notice how he says brother. He's not just saying complete stranger. This is someone who you're in community with. This is someone who you're loving. This is someone who you're journeying with. This is someone in your church. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own? The problem often we have is, we base what we think is acceptable based on our own opinion, don't we? I think this is right. They think this is right. We need to get to grips with the word of God. That's our standard. If the word of God says something is acceptable or unacceptable, that's what we go with. Not if Dan thinks it is. Not if somebody else thinks it is. But what does God say? What does God's word have to say on this? That's the first thing. When we're talking about behavior, when we're talking about attitudes, It's not how does so-and-so compare to me, but how does it compare to the standard that God sets for us? And I like to think of 1 Corinthians 13 in moments like this. Beautiful verses on what love is and how we're to conduct ourselves. And great verses where it says, so how can I conduct myself in judgment? How can I conduct myself in conversation with one another? Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. It doesn't knock down and destroy. Even in difficult times, it conducts itself with love and grace. Even when saying hard things, it conducts itself with love and grace and kindness that underpins it. It doesn't knock down. It doesn't destroy. And so often we don't get that far because we don't remove the metaphorical log that's in our own eye, Jesus says, in order to help out our brother with the speck that's in their own. I like to think of it like this. As you'd have all noticed, I'm wearing glasses. And I went for a little test, I don't know, a month ago or so. Uh, had Had that horrible thing, you know, where they pump air at your eye. You know that? If you've not been, you should go just for the experience. But it's horrible. It's I don't know what it's for. I think they just enjoy hurting people. Apologies if you're an optometrist or this morning. But I had to go for my eyes test, and I'm thinking, you know, as he's saying, which line can you read? And I'm thinking, the top one, the second one, maybe. You know, I used to be able to read the bottom one. It was a point of pride, but now I'm really struggling on row three or row four. And he goes, better or worse red or green you know i don't know they look the same it's all blurry to me and then uh, i remember coming out and he's saying yeah your prescription has changed It's like, oh thanks mate i could have told you that my eyes are hurting when i'm driving and reading and um so you do the whole thing where you look at all the glasses and you go i haven't got a face that fits glasses i just don't have one of those you know can i have contact lenses but then i'm a bit squeamish so eventually you get your glasses and you go in and you know, they get the lenses and they send them off and you come and get them and you pick them up and you put them on for the first time and you're like, really? That, that's what I'm supposed to see? Like, You, you guys have been blurry for two years <laughs> and I had no idea and I am thinking it is better looking blurry. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I can see edges now and things. I had no idea. I thought my sight was okay. I mean, I knew there was an issue, but I was kind of in denial. Kind of like having a log in my eye. I thought I could see clearly, but actually I couldn't. And it's only when there's a corrective measure, it's only when I went for help and sorted myself out, I realized, actually, I can't see clearly at all when I'm like this. I mean, I can make you out, but it's not clear. It's not precise. Whereas when I put my glasses on, it is. It's like seeing in high definition. 1080p, 4K, that's right, isn't it? That's the latest thing. Top of the line. It's brilliant. Most of the time, we're in log mode. We think we see clearly, but the reality is we don't. And that's what Jesus is trying to say here. Before we try and help out our brother... Before we see an issue in someone else's heart and someone else's life and someone else's walk between them and God, sort out your own heart. What's your walk with God doing? How are you doing in your walk with him? John Stott, I think, is really helpful on this. He says, we have a fatal tendency to exaggerate the faults of others and minimize the gravity of our own. That's helpful, isn't it? Our tendency is to do just that. Well, I'm all right. What Jesus here says, get rid of the log first. And then you can put your glasses on. Then you'll be able to see clearly. Find out, judge yourself right. Pursue God, be in his presence. Follow after him first. Be in the right place with God first. Get your heart right with him. And the reason that this is here is because God puts a really, really, really high value on holy living. That us as as a church, as a nation, as a world just doesn't do. Jesus was perfect. Jesus walked in perfection. Jesus was holy. He was set apart. And his church is supposed to be set apart too. We're supposed to be the holy people of God. Our standard has slipped, and yet God's standard is high, which means walking in holiness. It means we shouldn't ever be getting drunk. It means we shouldn't ever be reveling in sexually impure things and lusting and gambling, and those things are not for the people of God. And if they are things that are corrupting our hearts, we need to turn around and repent of them. No matter how small they may seem, we're not walking in holiness. And that's important to God, because it's important to the mission of God. I want to read these verses from Romans chapter 2. And uh, sometimes the Bible just speaks for itself, doesn't it? And it kind of cuts us. And I read these verses this morning again, and I thought, do I say these verses from Romans 2? They're pretty heavy, Paul. But you know what? Paul says them. And it's the word of God. You therefore have no excuse You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape judgment? Or do you show contempt? The riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. It leads you to a transformed life, a new start, fresh hope, even in the moment of darkness, the light can still shine. God hasn't forgotten his people, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. I told you that it's heavy. When his righteous judgment will be revealed, God will repay each person according to what they've done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, so they seek God, they want to honor God, they want to love God, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and those who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger this is why it matters how we conduct ourselves and this is why it matters how we conduct ourselves with one another in the church because it's about God's glory and it's about God's mission God's kindness to us because he doesn't have to have do- amazing grace how sweet the sound to save a wretch like me to save a wretch like you he didn't have to do that did he He didn't have to, but he chooses to because he loves you. Because he wants you. Because you're precious and you're valuable to him. Jesus comes to give us a new life. And he takes that judgment and that wrath. And you know what on the cross, you know why the cross is so spectacular? Because the judgment that is meant for you falls on Christ. The wrath Of the father, often we don't talk about this, but the wrath of the father against sin, which is evil and hate, he hates it, falls on his son instead of you because he loves you more than anything. He's willing to send his son for you. It's mind blowing, isn't it? That's how much he wants you. His son takes it upon his shoulders for you to be free for you to have a new life so that we can live in holiness so that we can draw attention to our father so that we have transformed lives but if we don't walk in holiness if we're corrupted by sin still which we do and we fall but if we're unrepentant are we drawing attention to heaven or not the world is watching aren't they The world is saying, what does it mean to follow Christ? And if all they see is corruption and hate and evil because we're not living transformed lives that follow Christ, it's not attractive, is it? Say, look here, I'm a new creation. You don't look very new. We have to walk in holiness. We have to put a high value upon it. And the first place we start with that high value of walking with Jesus is our own heart, not somebody else's, our own heart. And you know what? That is hard. That is hard because it hurts, because we fall short, because we mess up. But you know what the good news is? I want to cry. I'm not going to, because I'm a man. You know what the good news is? God's grace is greater than all our faults and failings. God is greater, and he sent his son because he loves us. It's not too late God wants us to be free. He doesn't want us to be corrupted by our lust and our pride and our our hate and our judgment. He wants a heart that is broken. The sacrifice of God, a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you won't despise. Our sin will destroy us. As Carl says, I love the way Carl phrases it. It'll take you in and it'll spit you out the other end. And it leaves our hearts just destroyed. And it leaves our relationships with people in tatters. And it leaves our churches in tatters. But, but Jesus has stepped in. So it doesn't have to be like that. We can live to please Him and enjoy Him. Verse five, you hypocrite. Just get better. First, take the log out of your own eye. And then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Again, he calls him a brother. This is not a stranger. This is not just some random who were standing on the street corner going, sinner. No, let's not do that. Instead, let's give people Christ. The point that we often miss here is the speck still needs to be removed from that person's eye. Do you get that? Often we stop short and say, well, the log's in my own eyes, so we can't do anything. Well, no, Jesus says we get rid of the log so we can get rid of the speck. Otherwise, what help are we to one another? If someone's really struggling with something and and you see it and you do nothing, it's not particularly very loving. It's not very caring. It's not very compassionate. It's not very kind. But it's not handled as a hypocrite. It's handled as a brother. And as a brother, you should want what's best for your fellow brothers, whether that's blood or you're brought into the family of God. Now, I grew up, I've got two younger brothers, and I wasn't always the best older brother. I soon learned that violence, intimidation, and shouting didn't restore relationships. Didn't do a lot for how it was going. But actually, the opposite spirit does. Believe in the best, hope in all things, loving them, being a friend, being a brother. It wouldn't be loving if your brother or your family member was struggling to just leave something there. And often we just want a quiet life, don't we, as Christians? We don't want to rock the boat of culture. We just want to keep our head below the water. We don't want any, any, any trouble, sir. But actually we want to walk well with God as a people because it's about doing it as a people we'll take the logs out of our own eyes so that we can help one another we want to be good brothers good dads we speak into people's lives but we do it in a certain way in a way that is loving in a way that is builds up people doesn't knock them down and destroy them And you know what? If we do that, if we start encouraging each other on the way, it brings attention to heaven because our community looks different because we've set a new standard of what it looks like to follow after Jesus. You know, if that speck is left there, it destroys, doesn't it? It grows and it festers and it destroys and it tears down and ultimately hinders the mission of God. Ultimately hinders people meeting him and seeing Christ within you. As has already been said this morning, we have to have an eternal perspective. And eternal eternal destinies are more important than our ego, are more important than whether we're afraid of causing offence. I may have offended some of you this morning, but you know what, eternal life matters more, right? Our eternal destiny. And for people out there, that matters more. And we have to encourage one another to live a holy life where Jesus is the standard. And of course, because Jesus is the standard, we're not going to make it. We're going to fall short, which is why there's grace. And there's so much grace and, uh, and goodness from the Father towards his people. Because, I, I don't know about you, but I want people to come to faith. right? I want people to hear about Jesus, to see Christ within me, to see what kind of king rules my life. Don't you want that for your heart too? That people would see the hope that you have within you that's why it matters it matters all this matters as hard as it might be because Jesus loves his church because Jesus loves you and values you. is why it matters and he wants us to shine like stars in the universe displaying his glory for all the world to see his pure and spotless bride which means we have to be speakers of truth in a generation that doesn't want to hear it which means we have to be speakers of truth to one another after we've been a speaker of truth to our own heart don't neglect that bit that's where it all goes wrong when we neglect to speak truth to our own heart and when we look at the world a world full of pain whether it's Orlando and the tragedy there with 50 people losing their lives for no reason targeted because of their sexuality or whether it's a British MP on the streets losing her life Do not expect a Christian morality from people who don't profess to follow Christ. The people that did that, the guy who did it to the people in Orlando, the person who did it to the lady in Yorkshire. We can set ourselves apart and we can say, oh, you're terrible people. Or we can say, I want to give you Jesus, let me introduce him to you. These verses... 7, 1 through 5, in fact, 7, 1 through 6 are addressed to relationships within the church and how we relate with one another. We have to show the world Christ, but we have to show one another Christ too. Our mission has to be to live in such a way that draws attention to heaven. And you know what? If you don't know Jesus this morning... We talked about judgment this morning because Jesus talks about judgment. If you don't know Jesus, he hasn't stepped in for you. You haven't put your trust in him. He hasn't, he's not going to plead on your behalf, which means eternal life is not given to us. And it's not the kind of thing I don't believe that you wait until your deathbed to sort out. You can sort it out today. We can get ourselves right with God today by turning ourselves around and putting our trust in him.